greatness. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning again. It is a good morning because this is the Lord's morning. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Praise the Lord. 
this morning, October 1, 23, the first day of a new month, October, and we welcome you into our fellowship, those who are present, and those who are watching social media, we welcome, welcome you into our fellowship, we welcome you into the presence of the Lord, as we praise the Lord during this service, let us pray, oh heaven and precious Father God, we come this morning to Lord, we thank you, Lord, for one more opportunity to praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come through another week, oh, Heavenly Father, God. Oh, Heavenly Precious Father, we come this morning, oh, Lord, asking, oh, Lord, that you bless this service to the Lord. We pray you're blessed upon the one that's going to break the bread of life this morning, oh, Heavenly Father. We pray your blessing on every heart, O oh Lord, that we might be receptive to your holy word and that we'll leave this place stronger than we came. In your son Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now, our song of praise. Come on, put your hands together. Give God some praise. If you know the Lord has been good to you, come on and make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands.
to anoint you, to worship you, to lift up your name, oh God, to support you with praise. Lord, you are Lord God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what am I to say? Say, Lord, you are Lord. Oh, Lord. People from every nation. God, we want to come from every generation. comes this, uh, from the book of Corinthians, first chapter, 13 verse, as well as the book, of, uh, the second, second book of Corinthians, first chapter and eight verse. Our first scripture reads as follows. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Second Corinthians, first chapter, eight verse, reads as follows. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despised, excuse me, that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. You all will bow with me for a word of prayer, please. Lord, we come thanking you again for allowing us to see another Sunday. Thanking you, Lord, for bringing us through this past week and whatever it was we were facing. Lord, we pray for the sick and the shut-in. We pray for those of us that are mourning, Lord. Comfort each and every family. Lord, we ask that you uh, continue to bless each and every family represented here this morning. We ask that you bless the pastor as he brings the word to us. Convict our hearts, Lord. We ask that you help those that are experiencing financial hardship, uh, those with loved ones behind prison walls, Lord. Just again, just bless our nation, bless our city, bless our state, Lord, and the leadership and convict those that, that are in positions of responsibility to, 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 to do what they're supposed to do, Lord, and, and that is to serve the people. But again, Lord, we ask that you open our hearts, Lord, convict us, prepare our minds for what we are yet to receive this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let the church say amen. amen. 
Let's say amen again. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. I'm just glad to be in the service one more time. Anybody glad to be in the service one more? Just one more time? I don't know how many more times I got, but this one time I got, I ought to worship and praise his holy name. One more? Somebody ought to say one more time. Let's praise him one more time. Let's glorify him one more time. Let's thank him one more time. Let's worship him one more time. Hallelujah. Do you know he's worthy? He's worthy. My God, my God. My God, my God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. He allowed us to come together. One more time, one more time, he allowed us. Yeah, let's have some church this morning, y'all. Oh, one more time, I thank him for one more. He allowed us to come together one more. Everybody say one more time. I thank him for one more. He allowed us come together one more. One more time. I thank him for one more. He allowed us to come together. To sing together, to sing together, one more, oh, one more time. I thank you for one more. He allowed us to sing together, one more, one more time. To serve together, to serve together, one more, one more time, one more time. He allowed us to serve together, one more. I got one more thing, one more time, one more time. He allowed us to praise together. To praise one more. One more time, y'all. That sounds like an old church. He allowed us to praise together. He allowed us to praise one more he allowed us to come together one more yeah he allowed us to 
That's a good thing, y'all. Oh, what a blessing it is. Well, it's a new month. And right now, we're going to ask if all of our October babies will stand up at this time. All right. All right, October babies. <laughs> all right. Let's sing happy birthday to them. the girls ages 11 through 16 that today is the last day to sign up for girl power signed up today on the K Chapel website now the new Sunday school division for college career and young adults met this morning and this division is specifically designed for persons ages 18 through 35 if you are in this age group and missed attending this Sunday, you're still in luck. We invite you to join the class next week at 9.15 a.m. upstairs across from the baptismal pool. This morning, we do have one candidate. Miss Bobby Graves is with us, candidate for Hines County Election Commissioner, District 2. Miss Graves, where are you? All right, we're going to give you two minutes. Come on, you can come on up to tell us why you're running. My name is Bobby McClure Graves. I'm running for Hines County Election Commissioner for District 2. And I'm running on the platform of re-election because I have been previously served in this position. I ask for your prayer, support, and vote on November the 7th because I want to go back into this office and give the people of District 2 confidence that their voice will be heard I want them to know that a vote for Bobby McClure Graves is a vote for accountability, loyalty, dedication. I want them to know that when you vote for me, it's not just for me, you're voting for yourself because I see myself as going in that office and representing you. Whatever is the best for District 2, that is what I want to do. I want to offer the people clarity. I want to be transparent. 
I want everybody to know that they can come to the election commissioner office at any time. Don't wait until election day to find out where you need to vote. And I'm going to leave you with this. It is not just a cliche to say, let your voice be heard. When you vote and people are elected, what that means is the people's voice, you have spoken, and that is your voice. And I would like to ask everyone to please vote on November the 7th because Hines County is the largest county and we have the ability to make changes in this state and our county. Once again, please vote for Bobby McClure Graves and vote for confidence. I want to leave you with experience matters. And as I said, I am a previous election commissioner and I would not go in there with on the job Amen. training. This position is technically a part-time position, but I will be a full-time commissioner. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Kate Chapel. Well, it's tithes and offering time. This is the time where we all now get the opportunity to bless the Lord through our giving. But we understand that the full worship of the Lord includes our offering, which are given primarily for three reasons here at Cade Chapel Missionary Baptist Church. The first reason why we give, because it demonstrates our obedience to God's word. The second reason why we give, as a sign of giving thanks for God, providing provisions for all our need. And the third reason why we give here at Cade Chapel is simply because we just want to see the kingdom of God grow through the mission and ministries that occur here, throughout our city, our state, our nation, and even around the world. Now, there are multiple ways in which you can give. You can use traditional envelope system, you can mail it in, or you can drop it off by the office. Or you also can use the K-Chapel app. Now, for those of you that are with us on live stream, you also can bless the Lord through your giving by utilizing the number that's on your screen. And for you visitors that are with us today, you would like to give today, we just want to remind you that you, the basket will be available for you as you exit the doors on either side or at the sanctuary. Just drop it off in the basket. So how much you give and whichever way you decide to give, we do encourage you to do so without grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves the cheerful giver. God bless you.
offering. We ask that you bless it, Lord. Pray that you bless those that gave, Lord. We also ask that you bless those that had a desire to give but were, not, were unable to, Lord. We ask that it be used in the furtherance of your kingdom and according to your will, Lord. These things we ask again in Jesus' name. should be just a few people, just a few people here this morning that can stand and say they know just how precious the Lord is. I don't need but about five or six, but I need somebody to stand and testify to the fact that how precious the Lord is to them. Amen. 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 Y'all gonna make me try to use my shower voice this morning. Good morning, Kate Chapel. Second Kings, the 20th chapter, the fifth verse says, This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. We ask that you continue to pray for all of our bereaved families, the Palmer, the Weddington Swims family, and the Oliver Roberts families. Brother Linnell Palmer lost his mother, Miss Alberta Perry Palmer. The, the funeral arrangements are incomplete at this time and will be shared with you as soon as they are made available to us. Sister Della Welling Weddington lost her sister Miss Shirley Swims. The funeral service for Miss Swims will be held on Saturday, October 7th at 1 o'clock p.m. at Pilgrim Rest MB Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. Sister Danielle Oliver lost her father, Mr. Roosevelt Roberts, Jr. The funeral for Mr. Roberts was held on yesterday, sat yesterday September 30th in Bentonia, Mississippi. We have residing in the hospital, nursing home, or rehab, Sister Willie Bruce, Burst, Brother Herman Porter, Brother Joe Lowry, and Sister Wilma Jean Chaffee. We have recovering at home, Sister Representative Clark, Mrs. Rosemary Stuckey, Brother Larry Bingham, Mrs. Annie H. Alexander, Mrs. Jessica Lee, Reverend Leroy Harrington, Sister Bonnie Scott, Mr. Melvin Scott, Brother John Sanders, Brother Kavara Collins, Brother Aaron Thompson Jr., and Brother Jerome Thompson. We have those related to church members that are asking for prayer. Miss, Miss Adrena Ajita, Miss Lavenice Clark, Miss McKenzie Emil Nathan, Mr. Leonis Barner, the husband of Sister Annie Barner, Mr. Keith Fogger, the brother of Sister Rhonda Larry, Miss Dolores Phillips, and her husband, Mr. Charlie Phillips, the sister and brother-in-law of Sister Ella, Ella Martin. We ask as you travel during the week to pray when you can, visit where you can, and each day thank God that you can. Let us pray. Most gracious Father, we come, O Master. We come this morning with bowed heads and humbled hearts. 
we come thanking you for the blessing of this day. Because some of us woke up this morning, oh Lord, with good health. Realizing that you are still in charge. But Lord, there are those that have woke up with illnesses. And we ask, oh Lord, that you would comfort them at this time. That if healing is, 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 is in your will, oh Lord, we pray for healing. But Father, we pray for comfort. We pray for understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. Realizing, oh Lord, that no matter what goes on in our lives, no matter of our situation or condition, that you're still God and you're still in control. So Father, this morning we say just thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blessings you bestowed upon us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let the church say amen. We are grateful to begin this new fiscal year for us. October begins our new fiscal year. This being the first Sunday in the month of October, we want to take a moment and recognize uh, members uh, who are part of our ministry who have been called uh, to serve in various ministry capacities and duly uh, install them into those uh, positions of leadership. Ministry does not happen uh, by one person. In fact, anything good doesn't happen with just one person. You need a team of people. You need multiple peoples making things happen, helping things to move. And so we thank God that he has given to us a wonderful individuals with wonderful gifts. And those individuals have given themselves uh, to serve in, in these various capacities. And so I'm going to ask all of our ministry leaders, if you will come now and share with us in this moment as we uh, prepare for this moment of installation into your duly uh, appointed and elected offices. All of you who have been appointed and elected to serve in various capacities, won't you join me now here in front of the altar? All ministry leaders, won't you come now? Amen. There's an old hymn. I don't know if y'all know this one. Let's see if y'all pull this one out. Uh, it says, um, the Lord hath need of workers. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Count on me. Y'all know that one? Count on me. Count on me. The Lord hath to till his fields today. Yeah, we. that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Count on me. Yeah. Pat's a real church boy. Amen. <laughs> oh, blessed Savior, count on me. Yes. Says the Lord hath need of workers. That's it. Till his fields today. <laughs> yeah. Savior, count on me. Ministry leaders, you have the litany in front of you. I will read the clergy part. Officers, we ask that you respond by reading that portion that is in bold letters. You have accepted the office to which you have been elected and or appointed. Do you promise with the Lord as your helper to faithfully fulfill its duties? 
pray now for the faith and compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ, for the boldness of Peter, for the evangelistic zeal of Philip, for the administrative insight of Priscilla and Aquila, and for the wisdom of Paul. Will you accept this church office in proportion to your faith to minister, to teach, exhort, to give liberally, to lead with diligence, and to show mercy with cheerfulness? Do you covenant and promise that you will walk together in love for one another? and exercise affectionate watchfulness over all those given to your charge? according to your abilities and opportunities show good to all, especially in helping to extend the gospel in its purity and power to the whole human family? Will you regularly support the work of the church by systematic contributions, both spiritual and financial? God uphold you and direct you as you go forth. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we are thankful for this moment of, of a new year, a new fiscal year for this church family. We're thankful for the leaders that you have given to us, for the gifts that you have blessed them with, for their willingness to serve, for their heart to give. We thank you for the wisdom that you have granted unto each of them. And now, God, we pray that our hands and our hearts would be united in love. We pray, oh God, that we would run after the vision that is set before us by you and your Holy Spirit. We pray, oh God, that love would rule in all things and all matters. And Lord, when there would be disagreement, when there would be discussion, that none of it would cause division. But Lord, that we would be united as one, pursuing you and your holiness, your righteousness and your purpose in all things that we do. We pray, oh God, that you use this church in spite of us, in spite of our frailties, in spite of our faults, that you would look beyond them all and tend to our needs. Grant it, O oh God, we pray it. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, who is our Lord, our Savior, and our Christ, amen and amen. 
God bless you. You are duly installed. We thank God for your service. Come on, K-Chapel. Let's support them. Let them know you support them, y'all. Let them know you support them. You're praying for them and praying with them. word this morning that sister Alice Clark is actually at home this morning and so we thank God for that amen God is a healer we thank God for that sister Clark if you're watching we thank God for you also want to let you know that on October 5th Thursday October 5th there will be a Medicare Medicaid informational uh, for Medicare parts A B C and D uh, in the K Chapel Fellowship Hall that starts at 1 30 p.m. from 1 30 to 2 30 p.m. If you are in that, uh, that, that demographic where you need to know what's going on with Medicare and Medicaid, meet us on Thursday, amen, Thursday at 1.30 p.m. to get all of that information. Amen. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer.
Oh, you came and Lord, you changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. Hallelujah. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for. of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. You are my strength. And thank you for being our Redeemer. Speak now. For we need to hear a word. A word from you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 8, two passages of scripture. 2 Corinthians 1, beginning uh, with verse 8, and then 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. And there are these words you will find. 2 Corinthians one and eight for we would not brethren have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in asia that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life but we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in god which raised the dead who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. In 1 Corinthians 13 and 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to preach from the subject, I'm too old for this. I'm, I'm too old for this. <laughs> I thought of a lot of ways I could introduce this sermon. <laughs> 
but if you don't mind, let me just get right to the text itself. Paul's letter to the church at Corinth was, was written in response to several matters that were causing this young church that he had established to begin losing their way. When he gets word from the household of Chloe about some of the quarrels and some of the divisions that were emerging along doctrinal lines and among lifestyle choices, Paul wastes no time pinning this letter to address issues like sexual immorality. That's in chapter 5. Lawsuits among believers. That's in chapter 6. Freedom in Christ, that's in chapters 8, 9, and 10. Uh, order in worship, chapter 11. The use of spiritual gifts in worship, chapter 12. And the preeminence of love above all spiritual gifts in chapter 13. It is in this chapter, chapter 13, where Paul extends this invitation to these young believers in their faith to mature, to grow up, to leave behind those thoughts, those attitudes, those motives, those behaviors that have characterized their old lives and to grow in their knowledge of Christ and in their relationship with God. In effect, Paul says, some of these things that I'm writing this letter about, you are too old to still be doing. <laughs> to say it another way, you're old enough now to be doing life differently. You're old enough now to know how to look at life and how to interpret life. You're old enough now to know what you're looking at and know the difference between right and wrong. You're old enough now to deal with life in a more biblical and faithful way. Paul says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. When I was a child, he says, it was okay for me to act like one. It was okay for me to understand and to respond to issues in childlike ways. It was all right for me to cry about not getting my way when I was a child. It was all right for me to take my marbles and go home and not play with my neighbor when I was a child. It was all right for me to think that the world revolved around me when I was a child. It was all right for me to be selfish and not share anything with my neighbor when I was a child. It was all right for me to act childish when I was a child. But when I became a man, I couldn't keep living like a child. I had to put away some of these childish things. Why? Because I'm too old. I'm too old for this. I'm too old to still be selfish. I'm too old to still think only about myself. I'm too old to get mad when I don't get my way. I'm too old to stop being friends with people who don't agree with me on everything. I'm too old to still be acting. Y'all look at me mighty strange. 
I'm too old to be this superficial. I'm too old to still be trying to keep up with the Joneses. I'm too old to still think that my worth is connected to what I can wear. I'm too old to be playing children's games. I'm too old for this. So And so this is really Paul extending an invitation to the believers at Corinth to mature in their belief and in their faith and in their living, to mature in their understanding, to mature in how they relate to one another, to mature in their perspective of life itself. And this is the one that calls our attention this morning, a mature perspective of life. Because as believers, we should be sure that our understanding of life and the matters of life grow in the knowledge and in the grace of God. In other words, the way we saw the world when we were children ought to be different than how we see it as adults. You, you ought to see people differently than you did when you were an adult child. You, you, you ought to have been through some stuff now that makes sense about why people act the way they do and you're not assuming the worst about everybody because you discovered that you didn't always do the best that you could have or would have liked to have done. Y'all come on and talk to me if you can. I remember, I remember, I remember when I was a child, I would go, Sister Coleman, I would go to the Capitol building when I was a child and, and I would see all of those grand marble columns and I would see the big rotunda and I would see the galleries, Hillman, Dr. Fra Senator Frazier, I would see how big and how grand everything was and because our Capitol building was modeled after the U.S. Capitol building in D.C., in when I would see the one in D.C. on TV, I assumed that the two were about the same size when I was a child. And then one day I went to D.C. And I realized how much larger the U.S. Capitol building is than our state Capitol building. Why? When I saw it with my own eyes, my perspective changed. What are you saying? In life, there ought to be some personal experiences that change your perspective so that you no longer look at things through the eyes of a child but through mature spiritual eyes that allow you to have a perspective that is more accurate and more truthful and more biblical. And one of those areas in life where I think that it is absolutely imperative that we as believers get a more mature, biblical, truthful, and accurate perspective is in the area of, listen, suffering. Suffering. I know you didn't see that coming, but it's in the text. Paul's first letter invites the believers at Corinth to mature in their faith and their practice and doctrine and lifestyle and living. In essence, he says, I want you to do better. But throughout his second letter, Paul seems to invite believers to, mat to mature specifically in their understanding of suffering. And perhaps Paul does this because he recognizes that potential that exists for there to be an incorrect assumption that giving one's life to the Lord means that the Lord is going to keep hardships from happening. 
The Lord is going to keep enemies from emerging. The Lord is going to keep dark times from developing. That God is going to keep misery from manifesting and grief from gathering and tears from flowing and sickness from becoming a situation. So Paul makes the point in this second letter to go over time and time again that suffering is a part of the human condition and the believer's experience. And being a believer does not exempt you from the human condition of suffering. Over and over again, look at it in, 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 in this second letter to the church at Corinth. Paul makes the point that as a believer, you're going to suffer. Chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in our tribulation. Tribulation. Chapter 4, verse 8, Paul writes, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Chapter 6, verse 4, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fast. Over and over again, Paul says, we're going to go through some stuff. And it does not matter that you're a believer. You're still going to endure some dark days. Chapter 11, verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons, more frequent in deaths often of the Jews. Five times received I 40 stripes, save once. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep in journeys, often in perils of water, in perils of robbers in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Paul says, you going to go through some stuff. And then in chapter 12, you know what he says. He says, I had a thorn in the flesh. I asked the Lord to take it from me three times, and three times the Lord said no, but look at what he said, my grace is sufficient for you most gladly he says therefore I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me over and over again Paul brings to the attention of the believer the reality that believers suffer lovers of God go through trying situations disciples of Christ have dark days followers of Jesus have desperate moments believers of God have heartaches and hardships and hurts that test us and tear at us and sometimes wear us down and as a child you may have thought that being a believer was a ticket out of bad time as a child, you may have thought that being a believer was a get-out-of-jail-free card. But now that you have matured in your faith, you must develop a mature understanding of suffering in the life of the believer. When I was a child, I thought like that. But now that I'm grown, I got to think differently about suffering. I got to have a new perspective about what suffering is and the role that suffering plays in the believer's life. The reality is that suffering trips a lot of believers up. So our text begins with Paul's declaration in 2 Corinthians 1 and 8. 
For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength. In so much, watch this, that we despaired even of life. We despaired even of life. Paul says, it got so bad that I was ready to check out. Now deal with that. Paul, the gospel writer. Paul, the missionary. Paul, the preacher. Paul, Paul, the one who wanted nothing more than that the, the, the Jews would be saved, the Gentiles would be saved. And Paul says it got so pressing that I was ready. Call it quits. Paul says, I'm not going to try and hide the hard times that we have from you. And I'm not going to try and mask our misery. I'm not going to try and sell you snake oil and act like every day in the believer's life is rainbows and cotton candy. Because Paul says, we are pressed above strength to the extent that I was ready to die. And I just parenthetically say this. That one of the ways that the church can be a better fellowship of believers is by recognizing that life gets hard for people. Just stay right there. Life gets hard for people. And because life gets hard for people, we as the body of Christ need to be more supportive of people and not put our expectations upon them for how they ought to act when they get here. Stay with me for just a moment. You, you, you don't know what people are dealing with at home before they come to church. You don't know how many pills they had to take to get to sleep last night and, and the regimen that they had to go through to get here this morning. You don't know the hell that waits for them when they're going back home. How dare you put your expectation upon them for how they ought to act when they're in the house when you're not bearing their cross. You're not drinking from their cup. You want them to shout like you and lift up holy hands like you? You're not bearing their cross. How dare you judge my worship? Walk in my shoes. How dare you judge my praise? Deal with my problems. Stop judging folks' worship according to your experience and your reality and your circumstances. Paul says it got so hard that we despaired even of life and we're believers. We're believers and we were ready to die. Somebody's ready to check out a life right now and you're trying to make them feel guilty just because they hadn't gotten their praise on. How shallow of you. 
making folk feel bad when they already feel bad. Church has to do a better job in making sure that people who are suffering are not isolated from the body. Because that's what the enemy wants. Remember, he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the easiest way for a lion to ambush a prey is to isolate the weak one from the rest of the herd. The easiest way to get a meal is for the lion to make sure that the one that's weak is not in touch with the rest of the herd. My God, you, you've seen that on the National Geographic where the lion sees the weak one of the bunch and goes after that one because he knows that's an easy lunch. But thanks be to God, every now and then I run across one of those videos where the herd decides, no, you mess with the wrong bunch. We're not going to let you have our brother. We're not going to let you have this lunch. And they come around and circle around and decide side now you got a fight on your hands this I wish the church had as much as much sense as elephants and as much wheel as buffaloes to decide that you're not going to pick off one of our brothers and one of our sisters today but you're going to have to deal with all of us if you're going to get one of us body, the church, the fellowship has to protect its own. And one of the ways we do that is by letting people know who are going through that it's safe here. Watch this. It's safe for you to be weak here. It's safe for you to not have it all together here. It's safe. We're not going to talk about you. We're not going to expose you needlessly. We're not going to run you out of here. We're going to circle around you until you get well again. It's safe. how you get well here. I think that as Christians we ought to recognize the reality and stop playing like life doesn't get hard. Because it does. Now here's the flip side of that. Here it is, point number one. A mature perspective of suffering will keep your suffering from completely silencing your worship of God. A mature perspective of suffering will keep your suffering from completely silencing your worship of God. While we recognize that life gets hard, that days get dark, that situations get tough, and that sometimes we just don't feel the way we used to feel when we come to church, that's okay. But suffering must not be given too much credit or too much power in the believer's life. 
Job was a man who suffered beyond imagination. He lost all ten of his children on the same day from a violent storm. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. He became a shell of a man that he once was so, so that when his friends came to visit him that they did not even recognize him anymore. Job had sores on his body that he used pieces of glass to scratch to try to give himself some relief. And in the midst of this great loss of loved ones, loss of livelihood, loss of healthiness, when presented with the proposition to curse God and die. You know what Job did. Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I know it's tough for you right now, beloved, but there ought to be some blessed be the name of the Lord still inside of you. I know you're going through something that you never imagined, but somewhere down in the deep depths of your heart, there still ought to be a blessed be the name of the Lord. I know that thing caught you off guard and took you by surprise and knocked the wind out of you, but as a believer, there still ought to be a blessed be the name somewhere in your soul. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because God is still good. Blessed be the name of the Lord because things are as good as they are. Blessed be the name of the Lord because you still have what you have. Blessed be the name of the Lord because you still woke me up this morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord because I still know what my name is. Blessed be the name of the Lord because I still know what year it is. Blessed be the name of the Lord because my needs are still being met. I know I'm going through, but I still got a blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed. <laughs> you say, how can I get to blessed be the name of the Lord when you start counting your blessings? Naming them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done when you turn around and look around and think things over. You can say, I've been blessed. I got a testimony. You ought to be able to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. My God. Yes. And you may not worship right now the way you used to worship. But just keep saying, blessed. Be the name of the Lord. Don't let the suffering completely silence your worship. You may not worship the way your neighbor does, but don't let the suffering completely silence your worship. You may not dance the way you used to dance, but don't let your suffering completely silence your worship. You may not sing the way you used to sing, but don't let your suffering completely silence your worship. You may not lift up hands the way you used to lift up hands, but don't let your suffering completely silence your worship. Don't don't let your suffering completely silence your worship. <laughs> how, how, how can I get there, Reverend? You ought to just admit you're too old. I'm too old. Not to worship God. I've seen too much. Not to give God. I've been through too much. Not to know that God ain't going to bring me out of this. I'm too old to let the devil steal my joy right now. I'm 
I'm too old. I don't doubt him. You can't make me doubt him. I know too much about him. I'm going to try another trick, devil, because I'm too old for that one. Look at the text. Look at the text. Verse 9. Verse 9 says, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raised the dead. So here's the second thing. A mature perspective of suffering allows you to see that suffering is not meant for you to handle on your own. Suffering is not meant for you to handle on your own. Verse 9, look at it again. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. Paul says this thing got tough. But the tougher it got, the more I realized that I could not depend on me to get me out of it. Now, my God, he says, we had the sentence of death in us. In other words, in that desperate moment, we didn't let suffering get the best of us. We didn't allow the problem to overcome us and overtake us, but we became, but we came to the realization that while this was too much for us to handle, that we could completely trust in God to handle it for us. Paul says what this level of suffering did was it took our trust out of ourselves and placed it squarely upon the shoulders of the almighty God when we, watch this, died to ourselves. We died to ourselves. We died to our own strength. We died to our own ingenuity. We died to our own thoughts about how we could handle this and we rather put our trust in God. These suffering sometimes takes us to unique places where we learn our limits and we see God's beginnings. I'll say that again. Suffering sometimes takes us to the unique places where we see our limits and God's beginnings. I know somebody, some theologian right now saying, Reverend, God has no beginning. He's infinite. He has no ending and no beginning. That's in the cosmos. He has no ending and no beginning in time or in space. But there is certainly a place where we can see the beginnings of God's power in our own lives. We can see where we ended and the Lord took over. We can see where we gave out and God stepped in. We can see where we had no more to give and God started pouring into us. We can see where we we were finished, done, and through, and the Lord put some extra wind in us, gave us some more strength, blew some more of his spirit into us. We can see, we can see our endings and God's beginnings, the moment in our lives where God began walking with us, where God began talking with us, where God began healing us, where God began restoring us, where God began turning our hurts into hallelujahs. We can see the beginnings in our sufferings, and I don't know about you, but I'm too old to act like I can handle all this stuff by myself I'm too old to try to be Superman when I've got a super God who can handle all of this that I can't handle I'm too old to try to put this on my little shoulders when God's shoulders are much larger than I'm too old for this God manifests his strength in your weakest moments and so I'll do what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. My glory 
in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, I've learned, watch this, that it's okay for me not to be able to handle it all. Because the stuff that I can't handle, I got a God. I've got a God who can. I've got a God who can. I, I, I got a God who can. Things that are beyond my ability are just right for God. So I'm too old to let suffering completely silence my worship. I'm too old to try to handle suffering on my own. But then lastly, I'm too old to let trials disrupt my faith in God. I'm too old to let trials disrupt my faith in God. Paul says in verse 10, he delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. I'm done, but Paul says this. The things that we were made to deal with and to suffer through and to endure, it caused us, yes, to despair of life itself. We were ready, Paul says, to give up and do like Moses did. Some of y'all forgot that Moses felt the same way. Moses said to God one day, he said, if I found favor in your sight, then take away my life because this is too heavy for me. Let me parenthetically say, leaders, you've just been installed. Sometimes this load will get heavy for you. Sometimes it will feel like people are not who should be working with you are working against you. But Moses found out that the strength that he did not have, God had it for him. Moses admitted, he said, this is too much for me. These are your people. I'm trying to lead them out of Egypt into the promised land, and they, they complaining about everything. They complain about water. They, they complain about bread that you supply. And they, they complain about, about quails that you It's too much for me leading your people. Do I have a witness in here? Sometimes it gets hard in leadership. He says, we were ready like Jonah, to curse the day that we were born. Paul says we were ready like Elijah to sit under our juniper tree and wait for death to come upon us. He says, but here's where the shift happened. When we remembered that our trust is in God. Watch this, the God who raised the dead. He says, Everything that we were complaining about shifted when we remembered that the God we serve has power to raise the dead. Everything we were crying about, we stopped crying about it. When we remembered the God we serve is able to cause dead bodies to get up again. Do I have a witness here? 
He said, yeah. And, and so we stopped crying and realized that if God delivered us in the past and he is delivering us right now, that he will yet deliver us in the future. It's in the text. I'm not making it up. He says, he says, he says, the God who has delivered us is yet delivering us. And he will, oh shucks, deliver us. He says, yeah, I've got a record of the delivering power of God. Paul says, all I got to do is go back in my mind and remember how the Lord delivered me. He says, I was shipwrecked. And the Lord delivered me using broken pieces of the ship. Do I have a witness here? He says, I was bitten by a snake once. And the folk were watching me, waiting on me to swell up and die. But the Lord, yeah, he delivered me. Do I have a witness here? I was in a jail waiting for the executioner to come. Oh, Lord. But the Lord delivered me from that prison cell. And what Paul says is, I got a track record of God's delivering power. And I'm through, y'all, but you ought to have your own experiences. And you ought to have your own track record. And you ought to have your own evidence of proof of where God has moved in your life. And when you look back over your life and see where the Lord has moved, it ought to put some fire on the inside and cause you to declare if he did it before, oh shucks, he'll do it again. If he did it before, he can do it right now. And if he's doing it right now, he'll do it in the future. Is there anybody in here that can testify today? He healed me before. I believe he'll heal me again. He restored me before. I believe he'll restore me again. He picked me up before. I believe he'll pick me up again. He forgave me before. He'll forgive me again. Say yes. Say yes. Oh, yes. I'm done, but here's, here's what Paul says. He says, listen, let us let us be sure about how we view life's dark days. Don't think about them in childlike terms. It was Peter. Reverend Redmond, who said, think it not strange, the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. All he's saying is, 
stuff is going to happen. To you, to you, to you and to you, and to me. Faith is not some super cape that we can cloak around us to keep the bad things away. No, no. Faith is what holds us. Faith is what grounds us. Faith is what keeps us when the bottom falls out. And you're right, Pat. Sun is going to shine if you just hold out. church are open. If you're here this morning, you, you need a church home, you need a fellowship. Brothers and sisters who will surround you while you're going through what you're going through, you come right now. We be mad. Endure for the night. Hallelujah. Trouble. Come on, come on, come on. 
Let's do that again. Weeping may endure for a night. Sing it, y'all. Weeping. season you're going through a moment it's not a day it's a year it feels like forever truth of the matter you you feel like Paul and you've been wanting to give up you've been thinking about giving up restoration comes this morning strength renewed comes this morning You're at your ending, but God is at his beginning. Mm. <laughs> You're ready to throw in the towel. Jesus has just what you need. And here's the good news, y'all. 
Here's the good news, and I'm going to leave you alone. Here's the good news. You're in the right family this morning. You, you, you with the right herd this morning because it's okay to be weak among us because we've been weak too. And the same family that will surround you surrounded us. And if you need to cry a while, that's all right. If you need to wail a while, that's all right. If you need to walk a while, that's all right. We'll walk with you. Sun is going to shine. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for restoration now. In the name of Jesus, we pray, oh God, that you would renew hope. God, somebody has felt like giving up today. Today. But Lord, you spoke. You reminded us that suffering is a part of the human condition. And even believers go through some dark moments. So God, while we go through, remind us that yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that we don't have to be afraid of anything because you are with us. Your rod and staff protects us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our heads with oil. Our cups run over. Surely goodness and mercy is following us all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. Forever and ever. And now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you. Now henceforth and forevermore in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Go in peace.